That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Edition is out this week. First, our weekly review of business stories from Caixin. Let's start where all good podcasts start with gelatin bars made of boiled donkey skin, of course. A dust-up over the potency of traditional Chinese medicine made from boiled donkey hides has shaved millions of dollars from the value of one of the supplement's biggest producers. The tale began earlier this month when an official social media account under China's top health commission cautioned against the popular supplement, believed to be a good protein source. It said the centuries-old concoction was just donkey hide boiled in water, which mainly consists of collagen and is not a good source of protein. The team behind the social media account later deleted the post and apologized for the criticism of Ejiao, a gelatin made from donkey skin. In addition to questioning the supplement as a protein source, it had questioned the efficacy of the substance for replenishing blood. But doubts continued to linger, and the damage had already been done. Shares of Dongle Ejiao, the country's top maker of the supplement, dropped for five consecutive trading days, sending the stock down around four percent and wiping out two hundred and fifty million dollars in market value. The Chinese government has suspended the distant water fishing activity of a company involved in a shark smuggling case near Ecuador. The Ministry of Agriculture has halted the operations of all 78 distant water fishing vessels owned by Fujian-based Fuzhou Honglong Ocean Aquatic. The move comes six months after a refrigerator ship owned by the company was caught in the Galapagos Marine Reserve with thousands of shark carcasses aboard. In August, one of the company's ships was found carrying 6,000 sharks in the protected waters around Ecuador's ecologically rich Galapagos Islands. The cargo included baby sharks and endangered species like the scalloped hammerhead. Ecuadorian courts later found the captain and crew guilty of the possession and transport of protected species, and sentenced them to prison and fined them six million dollars. China's top prosecutor released new guidelines targeting the misuse of psychiatric hospitals by police and hospitals to incarcerate political dissidents, activists, and petitioners. Under the new guidelines, prosecutors at all levels are obliged to conduct in-depth interviews with suspects who are detained in mental health wards 
before they are charged. They are also required to question police officers, hospital staff involved in the institutionalization, doctors, counselors, and immediate family and relatives to uncover potential abuses. In China, petitioners and activists are often locked up in psychiatric facilities by police to prevent them from airing their grievances or to put a stop to their activism. There have also been reports in recent years showing that suspects with personal connections to the police and mental hospitals, mostly run by the government, were abusing the mental hospital system to evade justice. Leading Chinese online video site iQiyi, which is 70% owned by Baidu, has filed for an IPO in New York, seeking to raise up to 1.5 billion dollars. The deal is being underwritten by six investment banks, including Goldman Sachs, Credit Suisse, and B of A Merrill Lynch. iQiyi is one of several major online video sites in China that have grown rapidly to challenge traditional broadcasters. Other big names include Youku Tudo, which is owned by Alibaba, and another owned by Tencent. Despite their huge popularity, most of these services are still looking for a profitable business model. iQiyi, which also counts smartphone maker Xiaomi as a major shareholder, reported a net loss of nearly $600 million last year, widening from $500 million a year earlier. China's metals industry lashed out against U.S. President Donald Trump's plan to impose tariffs on two metals that China exports to the U.S. in large quantities. The China Iron and Steel Industry Association called the tariffs a stupid trade protection measure that will make the U.S. industry more vulnerable and less competitive. The China Non-Ferrous Metals Industry Association said U.S. tariffs will undermine the international trade order, leading to retaliation by its leading trade partners, including China. Trump announced that his administration will impose a 25% tariff on imported steel and 10% tariff on imported aluminum. The announcement came as President Xi Jinping's top economic aide Liu He was in the U.S. on a mission to calm tensions between the world's two largest trading partners. China's movie theaters have smashed the monthly box office record for a single market, taking in 1.6 billion dollars in February thanks to the success of domestic blockbusters during the week-long Lunar New Year holiday. This beat the record of 1.4 billion dollars set in the North American market in July 2011. The movie mania was caused by the rapidly growing number of cinemas in the country and the release of several high-quality blockbusters over the holiday that were backed by massive marketing campaigns. The week-long Chinese New Year holiday, which ended on February 21st, is the biggest holiday of the year and sees hundreds of millions of people leave China's big cities and head back to their hometowns to reunite with their families. In the past, this pattern of migration meant the holiday wasn't a particularly lucrative time for cinemas, as many smaller cities lacked theaters. But things have since changed. There are now roughly 10,000 theaters with over 50,000 screens in total in the country, half of which are in smaller towns and counties. Let's turn now to Doug Young, managing editor at Caixin Global, to talk about some of the big stories this week. Doug, you've got two for us: a business story, and then one that's you know at the very Chinese nexus of politics and business. So let's start with the more purely business story that that is about Xiaomi, right? Right. The business story is all about Xiaomi.、Uh, then、uh, the direct news is that they're in Barcelona. Actually,、uh, would have been last week when at this point. But there's a big telecom show going on in Barcelona. It's it's every year, and Xiaomi is actually attending for the first time as a displayer. They've gone in the past, you know, just sending people, but this time they've actually got a big booth,、uh, and they're they're showing off their stuff. 
So to some people, this may not sound like a big deal, but Xiaomi tends to, in the past at least, they tended to avoid these events. And we're seeing if a new face of Xiaomi maybe coming out this time around. So it's changed for them that they're now actually eager to attend this year as an exhibitor. Well, the Xiaomi, we were seeing them emerge as, as a bit of a new company. Uh, this is a company that's not very old. They were only founded in 2010, and they experienced this meteoric rise right after they launched their first phones. They got this reputation as cool and trendy and state-of-the-art, and then they sort of went into this nosedive afterwards. And a lot of that, or at least a big part of it, was because they sort of overbuilt expectations. There were, there were also product issues and also some distribution issues. But, you know, when you set yourself up with these huge expectations, it's sort of like the bigger they come, the harder they fall. So I think this time around, they're being a little more low key. And you might say, well, gee, they're at this event in Barcelona for the first time. That's not low key. But in fact, they're sort of on the in the beginning of this comeback, uh, but not certain that it has legs yet. And there's a, a more important reason that they're in Barcelona is because they really do need to start getting their name out there. And the reason they need to get start getting their name out there is because they're probably going to do an IPO later this year. So, Doug, do you want to throw a caution to the wind here and tell us what your own take is on the company's prospects for its expected IPO? Well, I think uh, the company founder, Lei Jun, learned his lesson, you know, that, that you really don't want to overbuild expectations. And we didn't really see anything real hypey and, and big coming out of this. But at the same time, they've got to start showing the world why people should want to buy their stock. Uh, we're talking about an IPO that's going to be quite big. I, I think it's going to be over 10 billion US dollars, which is a lot. That, that'll probably be one of the biggest offerings this year. I mean, you got to show people, why should I buy this company? You know, they had a, a pretty bad period. They've started to show some comeback, but you know, it's not by certain by any means. And then the other issue they'll have to deal with is that they really are a company that makes cheap smartphones. Uh, these $120, $130 models account for about 70 to 80% of their sales. So it's like three quarters of that. And it might be difficult getting people jazzed about, you know, cheap smartphone sellers. So they've got their work cut out for them, but, you know, we'll see. Let's see how the year goes. Okay, Doug, let's shift gears now to the more political of these stories uh, that Caixin actually broke. Uh, what is the news ex exactly in this? Well, this second story has got all sorts of cloak and dagger stuff around it. Uh, this is a story that Caixin broke last week. It was an incredibly lengthy investigative uh, report, but the news, because there was news in this thing, was um, another one of these robber baron types uh, has been put under investigation. We're not really sure the exact status of, of that under investigation, but the guy is, is basically looks like he's getting ready to fall off his high horse. So the guy's name is, is Ye Jinming, and his company is called CEFC, uh, just a few initials. It, this is a company that was, it came up as, as largely an energy company, and, and most of their acquisitions have been in energy, and also they're doing some financial acquisitions too. Uh, but suddenly overnight, they've, they've jumped into the headlines, and now everybody's wondering what's happened to this guy. Is, is his company going to become the next... Uh, HNA or Wanda, which are suddenly sort of companies in a, in a bit of crisis, you know, it just raises all sorts of question marks. 
So I was interested in this character, uh, in his connections, and really the sheer size and the scope of this company. Can you tell us more about CEFC? Sure. Uh, this is probably one of the biggest companies you've never heard of. Uh, they are a Fortune 500 company. Uh, they're they're in the 200s in terms of their size in the world. So they've been in one really big deal, which was last year they. Uh, announced they would pay nine billion U.S. dollars to buy fourteen percent of uh, Rosneft, which is the big Russian oil giant. Uh, that was a big deal. But then they've also announced a lot of smaller deals, but still pretty big. You know, in the probably three four hundred million dollar range. And they've been interestingly sort of sprinkled around a few places that you wouldn't expect, like Romania. Uh, Czech Republic, and and then even in Chad, and the the common thread, which is is in our report, and is sort of interesting, is the guy behind this, uh, Ye Jiming, seems to have made some personal connections, uh, in one particular, in, with a guy in the Czech Republic, and that led to like this investment in a Czech soccer team and a Czech bank checkerboard there, <laughs> so to speak. His international portfolio seems quite heavy in the Czech Republic and, like I say, a few of these other Eastern European countries. But, you know, this guy went from basically nothing to building this huge empire. And now, for whatever reason, he seems to be uh, getting his comeuppance. And actually, if you want to learn more about this, please do check out a Seneca podcast that we did with Martin Halle, a China scholar at Charles University in Prague, uh, who was the first person to flag the, the CEFC connection, uh, Ye Jianming, and, and the connection to uh, the Czech Republic, uh, where he's very, very active. Uh, Doug, we are looking forward to hearing more from you on this in weeks to come, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good, Kaiser. That's this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Drop me an email at kaiser at subchina.com with your feedback. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SubChina and is produced, recorded, and edited by Kaiser Guo with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin and to Tanner Brown of Caixin Global and to Spring Nottam and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out our current affairs show, Seneca, as well as the new GGV996 podcast on tech in China, and follow news from China every day at SubChina. Sign up for a free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.